Wrestling Insomnia Podcast. My name is Mike. Joining me today is Dominic. How's it going today? It's going pretty good. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, so Dominic, obviously, uh, you're a wrestling fan. We met uh, through Instagram because you're on the trading card business going on. Uh, Delana's trading cards, correct? That's right. Delana's trading cards at Delana's underscore trading cards on Instagram. Um, you know, I, I actually met you because uh, you made me some trading cards for some wrestlers that I wanted to get because I collect signed cards. So I found you that way. And um, you had made me some cards for a couple of wrestlers so I could get them signed. Wrestlers that never had trading cards before. Um, and I was really a big fan of your work. Um, but before we get into that aspect of it all, I mean, have you always been a wrestling fan? I haven't always been a wrestling fan. Before that, it was superheroes, Marvel, especially because something about Marvel sort of reminds me of pro wrestling. Maybe it's the, I don't know, realism factor. But um, I probably I got into wrestling probably when I was five years old. I remember seeing it on TV, but my parents didn't want me to watch it because around this time it was still TV 14 and wrestling was still seen as vulgar and really violent like the attitude era and that kind of stuff is still what came is what came to people's minds so what i had to do is my grandparents used to take me to a flea market and what i used to do is i'd buy all the old memphis wrestling vhs tapes and my grandpa would be like don't tell your parents and we'd go (laughs) we'd go back to their house and we'd watch all these old matches it was um my absolute favorite of all time um it was, uh, I think, Loser Leaves Town, Jerry the King Lawler versus Superstar Bill Dundee, 1983. And that match. Who, who won that? that? Who oh, won Jerry, that? The, Jerry the King Lawler won that match. He gave, uh, I'm pretty sure Jerry Lawler never left Memphis. So. No, no, of course not. It's hilarious. The Attitude Era was too violent, but we're going to go watch old school Memphis wrestling where violence was born in wrestling practically. Yeah, I mean that that was my grandpa though. I mean that was, that wasn't my parents. My parents were the ones that didn't want me watching it. My grandpa was like, "Eh." But I guess I guess that's what he used to watch when he was younger. So, I think it's pretty cool oh, that I got to watch that. Yeah, I I uh I kind of have the same similar story. My dad was a really? big wrestling fan. And so when I was uh with my dad every other weekend, and I'm I'm a bit older than you, but uh my dad we'd go to the video store and rent all the tapes like he would rent every tape for me because i liked wrestling because he did so like we we're renting all the tapes and so you know we're renting all the star cage wrestlemanias uh best mm-hmm. of the wwf home videos any wrestling tape that came out mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I have a hard time remembering what my first wrestling was that i watched because i always watched wrestling and i was always watching I, even though i'm from maine i never i wasn't just a wwf guy i mean i watched everything because yeah. it's whatever my dad could get so i mean that's how so my love of wrestling came from watching older tapes compared yeah. to what was on currently. Myself. Yeah, man. Yeah. Did you ever see anything really obscure? I, I saw, I know I've seen a couple really, really obscure tapes. It was um just a couple. Coco Beware was on the card. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few of those. Like it's the early indie shows, a lot of them just, yeah, they just had one handheld camera and they'd record the matches, um, mostly for studying or posterity. And then later on, they thought, oh, geez, maybe we can make some money off this. And so they'd sell them. I mean, I know the first indie show I went to, they had one camera, a hard camera on the ring that was at the top of the bleachers, and they would just zoom in and zoom out. And like it was, I mean, I bought the tape, but it was not the best quality it's not like we can get today because everyone right. on their phone can 
high definition, you know? Exactly. It's like, it made that makes sense now, you know? But it's like back then as a kid, I'm like, what yeah. is this, you know? Yeah, I actually used to go to this flea market uh, we had in Lisbon. There was this guy, we'd call him Tape Guy. And <laughs> he would guy. just have boxes of VHS tapes yeah. that he would have, like, pirated or dubbed wrestling on or copied other VHSs or whatever. And, and like, and some of them weren't even marked. So you're like buying a mystery tape, you know, and he'd sell them to us, you know, like, you know, five for 10 bucks or whatever it was. And so we'd, we'd buy a handful of tapes and we'd go home and throw them in. And, you know, it starts out, we're watching SummerSlam and then SummerSlam gets over and, and now it's Foxy wrestling and then, or it's glow or uh, WCW. I mean, it, it was just, it was such a mix. And then sometimes, like, yeah. the, it would end, and you'd be right in the middle of, like, a porn scene, because he had taped over, like, <laughs> a tape of porn. Or, like, I remember, uh, it, and then the wrestling got over, and Faces of Death came on. And it was just, like, the, I mean, it was the damnedest tapes. Well, and we would just, it was like, one, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, every tape's got six hours of something on it, you know? Yeah, but, yeah, we used to do that a lot. It was it was fun. Yeah, I, I miss um going to flea markets and just not knowing what you're gonna get. Um, one of the things I loved was when TNA used to do their bag specials, and they do I think the brown bag one. What was it? It was like a T-shirt and like four DVDs. I used to get yep. that all the time. And it was a good price. I got it a couple of times myself. You well, know how much and they had, did it cost? It was oh, like twenty for four DVDs. Uh-huh. Shit, I think. Yeah. yeah, 20 bucks is a great price for them, you know? Yeah, well, and, absolutely, uh, absolutely it is. And I actually, it's funny because sitting right five feet away from me is a TNA brown bag that's a drawstring bag, and mm-hmm. it's got Don West autograph. I use, I use a lot of the, um, I use resistant bands, like when I'm sitting in my office or at my desk working. I, mm-hmm. I use the resistance bands while I'm sitting there, you know, mm-hmm. and I keep them in that TNA brown bag. Oh, yeah. So it's actually literally right over there i'll show you when we're done because if i get up now then i'll have a big gap in the recording and you know me i, I like i told you i don't yeah, edit you shit. don't want to edit i used to um anytime that i would i shouldn't say used to i mean i say used to because it's been a couple months but anytime i have a whole bunch of trading cards that i got to bring to a show or whatever i always bring them in my tna bags in my blue bag or my brown bag i i used to go the internet is awesome but at the same time i think it's kind of ruined us because like it used to be before you'd go to a flea market or a yard sale or something. And it was something my buddy and I did. We did it every other weekend. We had this route of flea markets we would hit. We had this rotation, you know, around the state mm-hmm. and uh, we would go either Saturday or Sunday and you look for wrestling figures or wrestling tapes or cards or anything wrestling or anything even outside the scope of wrestling as well. But, you know, for us, that was that. I mean, I, I remember I, like my, my Terry Funk LJN with hat and branding iron I found at a flea market for five bucks in a box. Oh, yeah. I get you know? tons of toys at the flea market. All of them so cheap. Lots of times people don't even know what the hell they have. Oh, yeah. Whether, whether it's um, like whether it's something that's worth money or just they don't know who the guy is. I had one guy uh, selling a Goldberg saying he was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Just that kind of stuff, you know. Oh yeah, I, I know exactly. Like I had a one guy like as LGN. I want we used to call him Blind Guy because he was half blind. Mm-hmm. He was at a flea market, like, and I was like, uh, okay. I picked up a Ted RCD LJN, and I said, "How much is this?" And he took it and he holds it right up to his face. He goes, "This is Kevin Nash. He's popular right now. This can be expensive." That's not Kevin Nash. It's Ted RCD. <laughs> it's an LJN. It's not. He wasn't even around wrestling then when this figure was uh-huh. made. Oh, two bucks. Okay, thanks. You know, like. Yeah, but I, I, 
I think with the internet now, it's so easy. You can just sit there, go eBay.com, and type in whatever figure you're or whatever you're looking for, and it's right there in front of you practically. And then Absolutely. you can scroll through yeah. at the best price. And in one way, it's nice because it's convenient, but another way, it's like it. it uh, I miss the fun of of the hunt, I guess. Yeah, me me too. It, it that is true. I mean, I think about that kind of thing all the time. Um, one thing that's good though is if you go to a flea market and you aren't looking for anything in particular, you're gonna find something. You're gonna find something that's probably cheap that you wouldn't have gotten it for the same price online. Yeah. No. But I, that uh, being said, I get your point. I went to. Uh, I hadn't been to one in, in forever, but I, I had to be down in Southern Maine to to pick something up from somebody uh, back in February before all this happened and. They have uh, the in, uh, indoor largest indoor flea market is what the name of it is, but it's the Route 1 indoor flea market. And I was like, ah, I'll go look around. I got some time to kill. And I went and had a look-see, and I ended up buying my, my son. He's my youngest. He just turned five. But ended up finding some great deals on some some old books, you know, mm-hmm. on all this stuff. And I looked around. It was just like, all right, I got some deals, you know. So, But I hadn't been in such a long time. And it was funny because it was such a uh, a part of my life at one point, going like a couple times a month, maybe three times a month, depending yeah. on where we go, you know. Um, so it's kind of funny. I went to a wrestling show at a flea market once. Really? Yeah, did you? Yeah, I mean, that's not uncommon. Down. Yeah. Well, actually, I've never they've, I've never seen one up here this way. We were down in I was down in Florida for WrestleMania twenty four in two thousand eight. Uh-huh. Uh, we went down because we're all big. My buddies and I are big Ric Flair fans, and and you know, his retirement match allegedly, and and the Hall of Fame and everything. And so we had bought packages through WWE on the rumor that it was going to happen, and of course it did. But right. uh, on that Saturday, we went to the Florida Fairgrounds because there was a flea market there, and we went and checked out the flea market. And then the back of the flea market, UXW that had Jake Snake Roberts. Uh, uh, Skull Von Crush, a uh, bunch of other guys on it and everything. It was it was a great show. It was a fun show. It was in this pavilion, so I mean, it was all open all the way around with just a roof above. But yeah, that's uh, that's, yeah, that's you ever been to wrestling at a flea market? Have I ever been to wrestling at a flea market? Um, no, yeah. I've 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 never been. I mean, of course, I've seen lots of footage of, but no, I've never been oh. to one. So here, I guess here's a question for you. So you used to watch a lot of old Memphis wrestling with your grandfather when you were a kid, and yes, and and. At some point, your parents must have relented to let you watch wrestling, or you just got old enough that they didn't have a say anymore. But when when was the first time you went to a wrestling show? The first time that I ever went to a wrestling show, I was probably I mean, this is this is actually great. I was eleven years old, and it was a Monday Night Raw house show. But by the time I was eleven, they they actually didn't know that I had watched Memphis wrestling and all that stuff. They didn't know, even watching WWE. And I started yeah. watching WWE in 2011. They still didn't know that I've been watching wrestling since I was little. And Jerry Lawler was still like my favorite. So we go to the house show. And this is around the time that Jerry Lawler was having the rivalry with Michael Cole. And all yeah. that stuff was going on. And we had no idea what the matches were or any of that stuff. So a few matches in, all of a sudden, Jack Swagger comes out. And his opponent, Jerry Lawler's music hits. And 11-year-old oh. starts freaking out. What? I'm looking at my parents. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's Jerry Lawler. I could not believe it. He did everything that I used to see him do in the VHS. He did the fist drop, the pile driver, fist drop from the second rope, everything. It was fantastic. 
Yeah, I got a buddy that lives in North Carolina, and Lawler's one of his all-time favorites because he actually grew up in Memphis as well. Um, mm-hmm. um, where, where, where are you out of? Uh, Pittsburgh. So where was that? Was that show you went to in Pittsburgh? We, yeah, it was uh, back when it was the. Oh, geez, what was it called? The um, what's well, the PPG Paints Arena now? The Consul Energy Center. It was the Consul Energy Center then. So I mean, you're in Pittsburgh. So I mean, like, uh, is everyone around you older than you? Like fans of Bruno Sammartino or Larry Zbyszko? <laughs> my um, other my great grandparents loved yeah. Bruno Sammartino. Loved him. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. thought, they thought he was great. Um. Larry Zabisco. I actually like Larry Zabisco. There was um, it was like a pack of figures. It was um some of the guys from the end. It was Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, I think Eddie Guerrero, and like Larry Zabisco. And I bought it for the Larry Zabisco. Oh, that's hilarious! That's awesome. I might be wrong, but I, I think it was something wonky like that. I went to a show back in 2012 in Gray, Maine. There was probably 25 fans in attendance, and Larry Zabisco was wrestling on the show. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he was in the main event, and I was just like, I, 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 I at first I wasn't going to go to the show because I would, but I was like, wait, is Larry Zabisco? Because I just assumed he wouldn't be there, and I was like, well, maybe he will. It's only like a forty minute drive. Screw it, I'll just go. I got nothing else. I'm just going to sit home tonight. Otherwise, yeah. So you know, I, I drive down to the show and and walk in, and you know, it's bomb scare attendance, and then sitting at a little table over off to the side, there's the living legend Larry Zabisco. <laughs> And I was like, holy shit, Larry's actually here. So I went over and, and he signed some training cards for me. And I ended up sitting there and chatting with him about wrestling for half hour, 40 minutes before he was like, well, I guess I should head out back now. So I think they're going to start the show. So, but yeah, he wrestled in the main event against Gino Martino. And it was just like an awesome night, but just completely random, really, to see Zabisco and, and Gray Main in a tiny building. I mean, uh, how, does that, so- how does that come to happen? Somebody like Larry Zabisco wrestling in the main event in front of 25 people. You know, I, I, we actually, I brought that up. I was just like, so this is pretty, pretty, pretty long ways away from uh, Bruno in a cage at Shea Stadium, huh? And he's like, yeah, but you know what? He goes, you said that to him? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, but you know what? He's like, I, I can actually hear the people here better, like individually than I could at Shea Stadium. I mean, all I could hear is just noise. You can't actually hear what the fans are saying. I could tell they hated me, but otherwise... <laughs> Because, but it doesn't take much to get you hated when you're opposite the ring from Bruno San Martino because Bruno yeah. is Bruno. And, and oh, yeah. it doesn't matter who it is. They're, they're going to boo whoever Bruno's against. So I was like, yeah, fair enough. But he was in great spirits about it. He didn't care. He's like, you know, he still loves wrestling. And oh, God bless him. I love Larry Zabisco. You know what I mean? It's just like he was so humble about it. And I was excited to see him go in the Hall of Fame because I felt he deserved it. Me and, too. You know, me too. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those just weird, really glad I decided to go because, uh, it was a great experience. And, um, now your first show is a WWE show. Yeah. When did you get in? Did you know about independent wrestling then? Or when did you get into independent wrestling? You know, I, I did know about it, but I didn't really go on the internet a whole lot. So I didn't really have a means to watch it. Anything that I saw might've been something that I got from the flea market. Um, but I didn't watch it a whole bunch. Uh, and even if I wanted to go, I was 11. I I don't know how, who would, who would I get to really take me? Right. My my dad took me to my first show when I was 10. I didn't go to my second show until I was 16 and I was old enough to drive myself. 
What show did you go to? It? What show did you go to? It? Uh, it was June 4th, 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cumberland County Civic Center in Portland. It was WWF. Uh, main event was Hulk Hogan as champion against Macho Man Randy Savage. Wow. Yeah. We lost. Out out. I mean, but we got Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect. Uh, oh, Twin my. Towers against Devil. It was a stacked card. Wow. That's fantastic. I, yeah, it was a stacked card. And then my second show I ever went to was August uh, 1990. Five and it was actually a TV taping in Portland, mm-hmm. same building, WWF television taping, and it was uh, it was a big five hour TV taping. So it was like a lot of jobber matches, and then we got some some dark uh, house show only matches. Um, but like they taped uh, they taped uh, Superstars of Wrestling, Wrestling Challenge, yeah. all those matches that were you know on the syndicated shows and everything. And like I said, it was five hours long, but we saw a few of the same guys wrestling more than once. You know, like. Bret Hart wrestled a couple jobbers on the show, and then he wrestled. Um, oh, they were doing the. He was doing that feud with Jean Pierre Lafitte when he stole his coat, and uh, yeah, um, we saw Shawn Michaels against Sid in a dark match. Undertaker against Kama in a uh, dark match, a casket match. It was right before their casket match at SummerSlam mm-hmm. that year. Wow. My first indie show was a couple years later. Uh, so wh- when did you go to your first indie show? My first indie show I went to in 2014, it was um, in Elizabeth, PA, um, IWC Caged Fury. And it was a hell of a first indie show. Um, In the main event, there there were guys, um, RJ City was there, Matt Taven was there, Sammy Guevara was there, Matt Cross was there. Um, Absolutely packed card. Um, I think Wardlow was on the card. I think Wardlow was on the card at this point. I'm almost certain he was. Maybe I might be wrong. Um, but I know he was, um, he wrestled, um, predominantly in IWC before going to AEW, it seemed like. Yeah. Yeah. My, that that first awesome. indie show, um, I, I think Sammy Guevara actually jumped off the top of the fucking cage and that <laughs> facade, this is the best. Do you know, um, facade, the neon ninja? Familiar. Yes. He climbed... Oh man. He climbed to the top of the cage walked halfway across it and then leaped on everybody else did a flip like on everybody else it was unbelievable i was at a big time wrestling show in july 2005 uh-huh. and they had a four-way cage match between xavier ec negro jay lethal and antonio thomas yeah and and xavier gave antonio thomas a sunset flip powerbomb off the top of the cage through a table into the floor and yeah i'm just like because thomas was on the cage holding to the top of the cage but the rest of him was outside it uh-huh. and xavier was on the end he was punching him and then he just did the sunset flip over like you see grow do all the time when eddie grow used to if you watch all his matches sunset flip powerbomb on antonio thomas and he brought him down right through a table on the floor fucking bonkers bonkers wow. yeah how many, how many people were there uh, it was the Lynn Armory. It was like nine thousand degrees in there. I believe they had about three hundred people in there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I it was. Uh, I don't know. I, I've been to a lot of shows, and and that's uh, some of the memories tend to run together. Uh, but certain things like that really stand out. Yeah, because <laughs> like I've never seen anyone. Sunset flip powerbomb someone off a cage before. So how could you how could you forget something like that? I mean, that's just that's just unbelievable. Oh no, yeah, exactly. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, Pittsburgh is a, I mean, you, you got a lot of wrestling around you. Yeah, there is, there is a lot of wrestling around here and a lot of really, really passionate wrestling fans as, uh, as well. That, um, I keep going back to it, but, um, IWC, it's just such a good show. Every single, um, month, they really pack fans in there. It's really incredible. Like, I didn't care. Like, I, I mean, I used to get 8x10s back in the day. Uh, the, the big thing for me was I went to a show and Terry Funk was on the show. And I didn't bring anything with me. I just figured I'd buy an 8x10 off him. He's Terry Funk, you know. And he didn't have any. And all he had was a couple size medium Funk U shirts. And so I couldn't <laughs> even buy anything off him. But he took a picture with me, and the picture came out amazing. It's one of my all-time favorite pictures of me with a wrestler is the picture of me and Terry Funk. So I'm grateful for that, at least. But it was just one of those things where it was like, oh, so now I need to start bringing something with me to get signed because I don't want to risk, like, meeting a wrestler who I love and I idolize, like Terry Funk, and not be able to get anything signed. And it was easier to get trading cards than it was to get, like, 8x10 photos because I could go to the store and buy a pack of cards or I could buy cards off the Internet. And cards cheap uh, ship better than... 8 by 10s You don't have to worry about them getting bent up, really, or yeah. whatever. And so that was that was a huge thing for me. And then also, like, those other wrestlers, because what happened with Terry Funk was, um, after I, he, he gave me his address. And mm-hmm. I said, well, I have some trading cards, but I didn't bring them. And he's like, well, mail them to me. I'll sign them. So he gave his, me his address. His personal address? Yeah, he gave me his address. <laughs> you can find it on the internet. I mean, it's oh, okay. All right, there's websites out there like StarTiger.com that list people's addresses, and and fans like put in. I mailed this on this date. I got it back on this date. So it shows how many days it took. The address wow. was good. They, yeah. you know, this is what they wrote on the. You know, I mean, like there's there's yeah, there's resources, especially with the internet now. But this was 2003, so he gave me his address and home and i and he, and he signed them for me you know and i sent a self-addressed stamped envelope and he mailed them back and i was like this was too easy and then that kind of became my thing so i'd contact wrestlers online and ask them if i could mail them cards they'd give me their address i'd mail them the cards and it was it was that's when i really got into in 2003 basically uh when i got into really collecting cards for signatures i don't collect cards to have the cards i collect them for signatures mm-hmm. and then Right now, I'm kind of running into a, a, not a dilemma, but an issue where there's a lot of wrestlers out there because now I'm, I'm really into the history of wrestling. And so, like, for instance, Bill Mercer, the voice of world-class championship wrestling you know, in the 80s, like, he's 94 years old. He doesn't have any trading cards. I really would love to have something signed by him, but I, I don't. I, so I, that's why, I like, most recently I reached out to you about that. Like, hey, will you make me a card? I want to mail it to him. And... Um, so that's, you know, that, that's, that's my big thing. Mm-hmm. Like in the process that you have with making cards, I mean, you'd be like, do you have a, a special printer like that prints the, this, like, how does that work? Is it just a standard printer and then you cut the cards out yourself or how, how does that work? No special printer. It's just a regular printer, okay. but it prints cool. the top layer is normal paper, but yeah. there's a thicker card stock that's in the middle of those two. So um, oh. It's a special kind of stock, really, is all it is that it gets printed on. Um, the top part is able to be printed on. The middle part, if you took that off, it wouldn't be able to be printed on. That's just what makes it thick. Okay. And you have to press it together, you were saying? Yeah, just to keep them to stay. To keep the um, 
pictures on. So this is like a glue then? Like, I'm just curious. Like, I, I obviously have no idea how this works. But, like, does it come, like, pre-pasted or, or, like, how does it stay? Is it glued? Do you have to put the glue on yourself? We assemble them by hand. Okay. Set up in a way that we set all the um, paste down, right? And after the cards yeah. get printed, we lay them down flat and let them press. And then they get cut. So... Okay. So it's, like, self-pressing. But... Um, okay. The trading cards that I always liked is, again, the ones that I got at the um, flea market was always the old school ones, the ones that were, like, cardboard-like. You know what I mean? Not the new, like, shiny ones. Yeah. I always loved those. So TNA made a line of trading cards that had such a, a thick, waxy coating on the card itself that you can't even write a signature on it, like a, 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 like a Sharpie. Uh-huh. It doesn't stay. You actually have to take the card and rub the hell out of the card first with your thumb. Yeah, and and then you can then the wrestler can autograph the card. TriStar did their cards, right? Yes, TriStar. Yes, and it was funny because I was I I went to a, a TNA house show here in Maine, and like they all the wrestlers come out, and I brought a big thick stack of cards, and like the wrestlers were like, "Yeah," he goes, and, and I passed like Matt Morgan a card to sign for me, and he's rubbing the hell out of the card. I'm like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "If I don't do this, it won't stay." <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. And then, like, I found that out, and I was like, oh, shit. Well, so, like, if I mail someone a TNA card, I, I write on there, like, you know, I'm sorry, but you have to kind of rub the card to make sure the six day. And and uh, sometimes right back, oh, yeah, these are a pain in the ass or whatever. So I try to avoid sending that series of cards to anybody uh, unless I'm getting it signed in person so I can do I can do that because – it's annoying to have someone sign a card and watch their signature just literally disappear because it's not adhering to it. Yeah, I really miss I do miss TNA trading cards. I wish AEW or some of the other companies would get trading cards and that kind of stuff, you know. I mean, it's it's hard to get that stuff done like that. It costs a lot of money, you know, but it's so fun to collect that stuff. I don't know. It's just it's just it feels so right for a wrestling company to have that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? I miss being able to go into the store and get yeah. TNA trading cards and WB Absolutely. trading cards. I, I remember because um, in my mall, there was a sports store. It was always there was the WB cards on the one end and right to the right of them was the TNA cards, like right up against them with like Hogan and Sting and Angle. And these over here were like John Cena and like Undertaker and Rey Mysterio or whatever. Just like little kid memories. You know what I mean? Stuff you forgot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no. So you started making your own cards. I mean, wh- wh- what was the first cards you were making like just? printing and cutting because i mean the ones you've sent me they're all cut real even so i mean you definitely do a good job cutting them but when you first started making them excuse me when you so who do you Um, make trading cards for which companies what's that well which companies or which wrestlers are you making cards for on the regular typically um it's individuals and um i guess some of the more famous people is um um we were just talking about Impact Wrestling. Brian Cage. I made his trading cards uh, right before he won the uh, Impact Wrestling World Championship. Oh, that's cool. So that was that's really awesome. exciting. And yeah, it's it's always really exciting to do trading cards for guys like that because um, the quality of the pictures, and they always want to order a whole bunch more, and they have tons of different pictures. Like Brian Cage, I did um, like different poses. Two of them were cartoons. I love oh, getting okay. able to. I love getting able to work with stuff like that of course is uh famous okay. uh mexico the brother of uh one thing actually um i made trading cards for um jerry lawler i actually got to meet him twice i got to meet him um the first time yeah. it was at a meet and greet awesome. and 
I only got to talk to him for a couple seconds there and I got a picture with him. But after his match, I got to catch him when there was no one else around and we got to, it was really, really nice. We got to talk for a, a couple minutes. Lance Russell had just passed. So, oh. um, yeah. I know so we were talking about Lance Russell and, uh, he said some, uh, just all a couple memories he had with him and just how good he was. We talked about Dave Brown too. Um, it was really nice. I got to tell him, like, what's that? So Danny Brown was on AEW. Like, he did some guest commentary on AEW Dark back yeah. last year when they were down Memphis Way. And I just thought that was cool. Like, they're paying Absolutely. the respect, like, that. Dave Brown out there, him and Excalibur doing commentary. And he did a great job. Just like they brought in Gary Michael Capetta for a, a, a gig for a little bit there as well. Yeah, I've been really enjoying AEW. I love the whole, uh, the whole Memphis thing they did. That yeah. was really great. I got to tell you, the um, the second time I met Jerry Lawler, that was um, a lot more interesting than the first. It, again, um, we got to the show. It was a little bit early, so there wasn't really any fans there. And, of course, like usual, like I make trading cards for some of the guys. I just think it's not even always to get signed. They usually make a bunch. I just think it's something nice to do. You know? Yep. I don't know. I feel like... I feel like I'm being a bother going over there, so I think, well, at least I'll bring in these trading cards. You know what I mean? It's, it's like when you like make food or something, that kind of deal. So right. I made him a couple of him in Memphis and like some of my favorite moments, but this is after Brian passed, and I made him one trading card that was um, a picture of him and Brian that he had on, um, I think his Instagram it was, and I gave him that trading card because I really liked Brian Christopher. I still do. I shouldn't say liked. I really liked Brian Christopher when I was little. I thought he was absolutely hilarious. And, um, yeah, I gave him that trading card, and he said, um, he has, uh, I think it was, I don't want to butcher this, he said he has, like, a tree or something like that, with a Christmas tree or something with ornaments, I think it was, that people had made for Brian, and he said he yeah. put the card, he's gonna put the card that I made him up there, uh, by the tree, and I thought that was so nice, and I was like, wow, that was, you know, I think it's crazy, I just had this experience with Jerry Lawler, and I was like, alright, well, I'll let you meet the fans now, and I'll go away. But um, yeah. he told me to hold on back, and I could like hang out by him. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! <laughs> we, it's like you can't make this stuff up. We talked about um, his record. Have you ever heard Jerry Lawler's music? I have. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of it? What do you think of it? Uh, it's it's well, okay. I just think it's surprisingly <laughs> good. Yeah. Like it wasn't what I was expecting it to be with the first time I heard it. Um, but it, that'd be cool to have a copy of that record actually, just for I don't know how much wrestling stuff you collect, but that that'd be cool just to have a copy of that record, just because. Yeah. Apparently, um, fans used to buy them at the arena and they'd break them like right in front of them, and Lawler'd act like he was getting all mad, like "Don't you dare buy my buy my records and break them." Everyone. <laughs> Everyone would rush up to the stands. They'd all rush up to the stands. They'd buy the records and they'd break them. The vendors would be like, "Buy two, show them you hate them twice as much." <laughs> no, I think I think I heard. I think I think Jim Cornette said said that on the Jim Cornette Experience, which is another yeah. really entertaining show. Yeah, I like Jim Cornette's podcast. I mean, uh, it's funny because in wrestling today, you have all kinds of different flavors. Uh, Mike Quackenbush is actually on the you know, on Colt Cabana's podcast is actually the where I heard this where it's like you know there's many different flavors of wrestling like there's many different flavors of ice cream and you know maybe you like Rocky Road but your friend doesn't like Rocky Road but yeah. that's why there's all kinds of different wrestlings for different people and I, I like Jim Cornette I, 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 he's got a great history of wrestling um, she wasn't so angry all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Uh, but no, I, I'm I'm not in the F Jim Cornette parade. Um, I don't agree with everything he says, but he says enough interesting that and entertaining that uh, I listen. His show is very entertaining. Yeah, it can be. I mean, I, I'm I'm surprised to talk to someone, and and you know that is a, such a huge fan of Memphis wrestling when Memphis wrestling basically wasn't around when you were born, essentially. Yeah. So I think that's awesome because I love older wrestling that wasn't around when I was either, uh, but Memphis especially. And I have a special place in my heart for Memphis wrestling just because, I don't know, I've just always been such a big fan of it. So I think that's awesome. But uh, other than trading cards, I mean, do you have any other collective wrestling collectibles that you that you collect or seek out or are you just trading card guy? Um, you know, I used to um, like to collect the, the newer action figures that came out i collected the tna deluxe figures and all those that would come out okay yeah did you as well uh no 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 i okay. i'd actually i i had a huge wrestling collection uh that i had amassed from when i was a kid until uh-huh. adulthood and in in 2007 it was right. all in my base um set up nice and pretty and then there was a freak incident and four feet of water went in my basement oh my and God. uh it all got wiped out every figure and package i had fell apart opened up all my magazines all my vhs tapes everything was wrecked the only things i had upstairs on my bookshelf were my books and my uh any autographs i had had at that time weren't bindered up on the bookshelf because i had built-in bookshelves so none of your um, autographs got none of your autographs got ruined the only autograph that got ruined was i had a wcw blue bloods two-pack of lord steven regal and beautiful bobby eaton that was autographed by them Aww. and that was with the rest of my uh, figures and uh-huh. that got wrecked that yeah, got destroyed okay. so that's too bad bobby yeah. Eaton. yeah so i have i have so now because of that all getting destroyed it really kind of it was too it just felt overwhelming and too insurmountable to try to replace everything so i, I didn't bother and um right. I, I continued collecting trading cards for signatures and i continued buying the books that i thought would be interesting or the dvd would be interesting but i didn't buy any more figures um the LJN figures I, I was able that I had, I was able to wash those up, and, and they still look great, and I have those. But um, but nowadays I, I buy the occasional figure. Like the last one I bought was actually the uh, the Pete Dunn that just came out this year, mm-hmm. and I bought the revival. And um, yeah. uh, but so I, I buy the occasional figure, but I don't collect like I used to. But I do have I have a. Uh, TK figures. I have a uh, Velvet Sky and an AJ Styles. Yeah. HW figures. Like I have a representation. One figure from like every figure line that was released, type of thing. Um, so I have a few things. But you were collecting all the TNA Deluxe figures. Mm-hmm. I like um, the the most recent one that I was looking into, and this isn't super recent because I mean I don't really look into them too much anymore. But the last one it was I was trying to look at all the TNA Marvel figures. All the ones that I can get my hands on. And there was a lot of those at flea markets. I got um, a Christopher Daniels and a Sting and an AJ Styles, Jeff Jarrett, all these guys at the flea market. So, so many, so many you flea market things. What's that? Are you collecting them loosely or, or in package? Uh, anyway, I can get them. I got um, uh, Chris Harris in package over here. But uh, oh, the other nice. ones are all loose. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't yeah, really. I was a big fan of uh, America's Most Wanted. Yeah. Hell yeah. America's Most Wanted was great. I have that. I have, that is. I have one. That's one of my TNA DVDs. I have the the best of America's Most Wanted DVD. When I I saw that on like a 
Christmas sale several years ago, and I was just like, I need to buy that. No, and actually, it's on the website now, but it's like they don't want twenty five bucks for it, and I think I paid ten for it. Ten bucks. Back in the day, yeah. Good deal. Where's James Storm now? Is he's in, and he's in NWA, isn't he? Yeah, Storm's in NWA. Uh, Wildcat Chris Harris just isn't wrestling, which kind of sucks because I I like I I loved A and W and W. I thought they were a fantastic tag team. The first. TNA pay-per-view I ever bought that was when they went to the three-hour monthly pay-per-views uh-huh. was when AMW fought Triple um, X and the uh, Six Sides of Steel. And it's the one where um, uh, don't tell me his name, Elix Skipper walked the top of the cage. <laughs> yeah, Elix Skipper yeah. and Christopher Daniels against AMW. Holy cow, that match still today is an amazing match. They had, they had some really great match. They still have really good matches. Um... Oh my gosh, yeah. And you know, anytime I think of them, I always think of that match. That's the match that I think I and most people go to. That yeah. match was something else. Oh, well, you have a highlight like that. Yeah, TNA highlight at that time had a lot. Uh, TNA at the time had a lot of uh, not just highlights like that, but just great matches like that. Absolutely chaotic, too. Are you still watching Impact Wrestling regularly now? or? Oh, yeah, I do. I just watched it last week. What, what's your wrestling diet look like right now for shows that you're taking in? Um... Before it was, I got um, Impact Plus, and when I got that, I was so overwhelmed with everything that was on there. Is just I just watched everything that I could was on there. Um, a lot of my wrestling diet is just whatever I feel like watching on the WWE Network or Chikara Topia or um, Impact Plus. I'll go on YouTube and I'll watch a lot of Memphis. Um, Do you watch any like AAA or CMLL? I like Mexico. To- I like to keep up with certain guys over there. Like, I really like to keep uh, seeing what uh, Caristico's doing because I'm a very big Caristico fan. Okay, fair enough. I think he's, I think he's great. I got to meet him as well at a show that uh, Sam Adonis ran. It was, but he runs, Sam Adonis runs uh, these shows, Russell Rex, absolutely fantastic shows. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I really appreciate you chatting with me tonight about pro wrestling because I just love talking about wrestling. Throw your handles out there again if someone wants to make contact with you about getting some trading cards. It's on Instagram. On Instagram, it's at Delana's underscore trading cards. And um, on YouTube, George Apollo. That's uh, where a lot of uh, the interviews that I'll do go up. I have an interview right now with Neon Ninja Facade and Wardlow from AEW. Okay, actually, this is the first I've heard of that, so I'll have to check that out myself. George Apollo, like G-E-O-R-G-E-A-P-O-L-L-O. That's right. So my buddy... His name is Jay DePaulo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So his first name, J-Y, last name DePaulo, D-I-P-A-O-L-O. So this was back in 1998, and uh, we used to wrestle a little bit. And he had his debut match. It was a job match on TV for Jason, Jason Rage at the time, Jason Rumble now. And it was, of course, an indie show. And Tony Alice was the booker. And Tony said, kid, what's your name? And Jay goes, it's Jay DePaulo. All right. And he's like, do you need me to spell that? No, no, I can spell Jade Apollo. Okay. So this was in November. Mm-hmm. And they taped, you know, multiple hour, multiple episodes of TV that day. It was going to be on the, the local cable channel, state cable channel nine and everything. And But the first episode wasn't until January. So January rolls around. My buddy's at my house because he didn't get state cable. And the show comes on and he comes out and the little graphic comes up on the screen for his name. And it's J-A-D-E, Jade Apollo, A-P-O-L-L-O. And we both just <laughs> looked at each other, and I died laughing. And he, ho! Ho! 
So at the next show, we're giving the TV guys some shit about it. And, and why did you spell my name that way? What are you talking about? My name is Jay DePaulo. It's not Jade Apollo. And he goes, that's how Tony spelt it. And we all just went, oh, okay. <laughs> that is really, really funny. That's a great story. So that's awesome. So yeah, so check out I'll, uh, in the information of the show. I'll put in, I'll, uh, put in the links for your Instagram and, and for your YouTube as well. Um, so that'll be in there if, if people want to check that out. Awesome. But uh, I, really, I really appreciate you having on the show. And well, it was that was really nice talking. That was great talking to you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you.